Welcome into Hoops Forum, presented by Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout Podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Randy Sherman. Before we get going here, I want to thank our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you're in the market for a team dealer, look no further than 323 Sports. Whether it's uniforms, team gear, spirit wear, sports equipment, they can do it all for you and for your sports program. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, or you can get in contact with a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They will do it right for your sports team. Randy, how about maybe uh, since this is a part two, maybe for those that weren't with us last week and haven't had a chance to either watch the video or download the podcast yet, which a lot of people have downloaded the podcast. I was really surprised even the amount of people that have downloaded it. It dropped today. I know a lot of people have watched the video as well. But if they haven't seen that, maybe can you give them a little bit of a summary before we get into this week's part two? Yeah, so we wanted to talk about pace and space offense. That's kind of the the in-style style of play now. And we last week focused mostly on pace and pace mostly as it pertains to transition offense, creating creating pace with how fast we transition from defense to offense. A little bit of space talk in transition last week where we talked about getting width and depth and showing up in the half court with good positioning and, and width and depth in transition leading to good positioning and space in the in the front court when we arrive so i thought today you know we'll go a little bit longer on half court maybe and and the space aspect of pace and space one of the things that you mentioned last week that i thought was important in differentiating between positioning and space and not necessarily confusing those two terms but but keeping them separate and the skills aspect with the space maybe can you talk a little bit about that and i think that'll springboard us into what we want to talk about. Yeah. So just to put it another, a, a, a finer point on the difference between spacing and positioning, I sometimes even inadvertently use those synonymously where I shouldn't is positioning is simply put where we stand, our alignment. Are we five out, four out? What, what, where are our spots? So to say, so to speak, that's independent of our skill with this is just, this is the configuration the construction that we play offense from. Your spacing is impacted by your skill, meaning if I have team A who's got four perimeter players who really can't shoot so well, the defense can sag off of them, protect the paint. They, While they have what could be to the naked eye look like good positioning, you know, they're high and wide, they got four balance, but like they don't, they don't impact the defensive spacing. There's no gravity to pull it out. So, so what we want is good positioning, coupled with good spacing, meaning our skill level pulls the defense apart, thus creating gaps and seams and opening up the area around the rim. I heard this on a broadcast the other night, but basically the the announcer said something to the fact of, well, that team just isn't able to create good space because they don't have anybody that can shoot. Is that an accurate way of thinking, or is that kind of like victim of my circumstances, or is it a little bit more involved than that? Well, it's just the facts. If they, if if it, we can stand where coach tells us, but we can't, I can't make the other team guard us there. I, I I don't coach that team, so I can coach my team and say, hey, we want to hit the corners, we want to have high and wide slots, but our skill and our ability will will dictate you know, whether we can create space or not, because the defense, simply put, doesn't have to respect where we stand and guard us there, right? If you have the team that has ultimate spacing and really puts the defense in rotations and gets the defense moving and is able to attack closeouts and whatnot, 
you know, what, what are, what would you say top skills that we need to be working on or we need to be focusing on a daily basis? Yeah. I coach a lot of coaches who are, are moving their programs and their teams toward a pace and space style of play. So we talk about this all the time. There's kind of a four bullet points of, of, okay, this is how we want to play. And what are the priority skills needed to play this way? Uh, meaning we're, we're, what do we have to be great at for this at the end of the season to have been a success? I'd say the four bullet points are starting drives, stopping drives, catch and shoot threes, and attacking closeouts or reading slash attacking closeouts. So there's your skill development menu right there. Like, that, that, what are we working on today? Those, those four things, one of those four things, all of those four things, that's it. Starting a drive well, meaning we got to be able to catch it with, with, with uh, you know, we, good established footwork so we can start a drive effectively without traveling. Stopping a drive, you know, we, we've, we've started the drive. Now we, we're, we're, we have the intent on finishing at the rim, but we don't. So we got to be able to stop ourselves. And then, you know, finishing is also a part of stopping a drive. I stop the drive by scoring, right? Thirdly, uh, catch and shoot threes. I start a drive. I collapse the defense. I kick. And if I kick to that player, we got to be able to make that shot. That's our offense. And then thirdly, if we, if, if we want to play off of that pass or one more pass, we're going to draw a closeout. And we've got to be able to assess – uh, whether we have time, space, range to shoot over that closeout, or do we need to start start a drive again? So it's just a cycle: start a drive, stop a drive, catch and shoot three, <clears throat> and assessing closeouts. I had a you know how how much time should we spend or devote to this is what I thought that I had when I first started this, and I've had coaches ask me, and to be honest with you, like it, we devote all of our time to it. Yeah, like I, it, it's segmented. Sometimes we'll do the small side of games where you're working on the decision training and the finishing and passing and dribbling and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, we we will do block. I'll be honest with you. I know some yeah, coaches sure. knocking that, but I think shooting is one of those block skills that needs to be not just on air, but with defense too. And there's mm-hmm. drills you can do with that. But I mean, that, that literally is like our entire practice. That's the thing that I love about basketball is the simplicity of it. And how we as coaches screw it up because we make it so much more complex than it probably should be. But there is some complexity that goes along with it, too. And maybe that's where we can get into this next part here. And it's talking about, you know, coaches will say probably that are listening. I already know about the finishing and the shooting. But like, OK, so how can I then create space and a poll that we had asked this week? So what is your favorite way to create space on the floor? Assuming that your players can finish, they can shoot or you're working towards that at least. Like, okay, so what are some of those actions or things that we can do within the half court? What would you think about the final results of this week's poll? I like it. I, I thought it was a good poll. I think the, uh, the, the leader there cutting without the ball is probably the, mo- the most simple way to, to open space and uh, probably deserve to win that poll. So that, that's what would this have been even five or 10 years ago? Um, I would have thought like the ball screen would have actually been even closer than it is right now. But I know a lot of people that follow the two of us are using more of this patient yeah. space, which emphasizes. So it may kind of be asking it in a, in a drum here, but you know. Yeah. I, th- I think maybe even two, some coaches might look at, at, they don't state, they, they look at the ball screen as an action to create 
an advantage, not necessarily as a way to create space, but it is a way to create space because if I bring uh, the law of space, if you will, dictates that if I if we contract space in one area, it enlarges space in another. So if we if we bring two players together in a in a ball screen or a DHO for that matter, we're bringing those two players together, thus enlarging the space away from from that two player action. So um, so it 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 is a way to create space. And then you know talking about then the spacing on the floor and how we refer to that just so that people understand kind of what we're referring to. Have you always, I mean, has this traditionally been how you've explained it? Uh, it's how I've learned to explain it. I'll, I'll, I'll say that it's, it's a simple way to look at it. Like in your first slide there, you have what looks to be a traditional sort of five out alignment where, where you've got top wing, wing, corner, corner filled with, and the space between each of those players, you know, there's symmetry around the three-point line. The space between each of those players is, is a single gap. General rule of offense that, that I, I try to impart on coaches and, and, and thus they impart on their teams is we, we don't want to drive into single gaps. The reason being is it's too easy for the defense to sort of plug that gap and not pay a penalty of, of a three-point attempt. They can, I call it short help, short recover, right? So they can, they're not, we're not far enough apart, say, between player one and player three. If one in your first frame drove with his or her right hand through that gap, X3 could kind of shrink, stunt, swipe, whatever, and not pay a real a penalty of, of the kick out. They can recover back in time. Whereas in, in your second frame where you've got a little wider gaps by going to a four-out alignment, if, if one drove with their left hand down the lane line, X4, if they were to help off the strong corner, has a longer help, thus longer recovery. So there's just a greater amount of space. The, going back to frame one with the single gaps, the good news thing is that you, you've opened up space around the rim to cut into. So the law of space, again, would dictate we're compressing space around the three-point line, thus it opens space around the rim. So... Yes, it, it's it's really a matter of preference, but but generally speaking, we want to stay out of driving into single gaps. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you can get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and, of course, effective field goal shooting percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Combined with HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. I would challenge coaches to think just about the fact you go back even like 20 years ago when we're denying one pass away. And a lot of teams are kind of going away from that. And so it's now as hard as that was, it's even harder now because now you have teams that are sitting down in gaps, whether they're playing a pack line defense or some sort of gap mm -hmm. defense. Mm -hmm. And it just, I mean, we tell our guys almost every day, stop driving into single gaps. It almost never leads to anything positive. 
Yeah, it almost lead, a lot of times it leads to a turnover. You get the ball swiped, you get tied up, you get you pick up your dribble because you 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 know that guy shows chest and you stop your dribble and now we're now we've 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 disrupted the flow and and the sequencing of our offense. But um, almost yeah. kind of a waste of a couple of seconds because let's say that you even do draw somebody like you said, then you're pitching it because that's just the natural read. But when you pitch it it is a short closeout for that help defender to recover to. And so essentially all you've created is you've wasted three seconds on the clock that you've taken away from your time. And for a team that's playing like us at college level, we basically just wasted a few seconds. Yeah. So what's our rule for getting that? I don't want anyone watching to, to think I'm naysaying this alignment, this five out alignment. I'm not. So what's our cue for when to cut out of this gap? So if one has the ball top of circle here, our cue for three to leave that gap is when he's looked at, dribbled at, or pivoted towards. So if one has the ball at the top of the key and he looks at three, three doesn't clap for it, doesn't V-cut, just get out of there. Just, just cut out of there. If I, if I pivot towards you, that probably means I'm about to either drive that way or dribble that way. So, so, so cut out of that single gap. What we, what we, what we really want is is for teams that do still pressure the passing lanes and and, and do deny that that try to disrupt the rhythm and timing of your offense with a bit of denial if i if my offense is dependent upon me making a pass to a static or stationary player in a single gap that's very disruptible do you prefer if they make a basket cut or a 45 degree cut or a slice cut to the other side do you feel like that one or the other helps better with creating more space and in this case gaps um i don't i don't know that that's neither here nor there really like i mean ultimately the, what what we end up with is that player leaving that wing spot thus opening a space um you might be able to get a backdoor basket cut you might pass it to one and then and be able to give and go across your defender's face occasionally um but i think a challenge that i would view i would issue to coaches and i did in a recent article i wrote is begin to view the purpose of cutting less about like scoring and more about opening space. You know, I hate to say like no basket cut. Like, I mean, you might you might get one. You might you might catch an overplay and you cut you backdoor cut. You cut to the rim and we and we we with that five out alignment, we've got vacant area around the rim and we we capitalize on that with a cut to the rim. But and I think, I think that is what the key is what you just said there. Like if I'm capitalizing on an over aggressive defender, yeah. If you're not probably what you're going to end up with is when that guy vacates. And if you do basket cut, his defender is going to be standing in the middle of the lane, just giving help anyways, which yeah. is not going to create anything good for you. But this one is the last slide that was on the last slide, but you can see okay. it now kind of the triple gap of the dots indicating where somebody might be. So you have one, two, three, and then and the advantage. slot and wing vacant. Yeah. Yeah. And the advantage of something like this is then obviously on the drive, now you have a lot of space to, to play with, right? Right. So four, three, and five on the left side of the court, their their space is compressed. They're they're kind of close together. Following the law of space, if you compress space in one area, five, three, and four over here, it creates space here where this big green bubble is, right? So so we've compressed it by tilting the floor to the left, thus expanding it to the right. And we've got a nice sizable gap in the perimeter defense to, to get the ball into. So let me ask you on that diagram even there, 
I think the next question is, so I got a guy that drives, but he stopped and maybe I drew X2, but maybe I didn't like, so what now, what, what do I do now? Well, anytime we drive, we're driving with the intent to score at the rim. So a lot of times you'll see a player driving and they're driving to pass. They're not driving to score. You can get yourself in a little bit of trouble that way by, by, by driving to pass because then in the, 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 the defense takes the pass away and you kind of get that moment of indecision like, oh, I thought I, had, I was going to have an outlet to pass to and now I don't. So, so when, we, when we clear space – you know, maybe maybe three here in this left corner. It's cut out of that and cut diagonally across the floor, thus opening the space. We clear space. We want to drive the ball into that space to score. And I'm thinking score until until that that opportunity is taken away from me. So so that's why we said starting drives well. One here has to start start a drive without traveling. Good footwork on the catch. Hopefully they've established their feet. They they're able to start a drive without traveling gain a small advantage over their defender X1. They're using that advantage till they till till the scoring option is exhausted. So so then the next fundamental skill to 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 have acquired would be stopping a drive in the event that we don't score. So uh, we we would probably emphasize uh, being able to stop in in two different manners. One would be a stride stop which would be, in this case, um, same hand, same foot. I'm dribbling right-handed. I'm going to stop right-left, same hand, same foot. Right-left, quick, quick. But I'm, I'm going to stop on two feet. What we would like that you don't have drawn on here is some penetration reaction around this drive. I'd probably want X2 to hold their spot, and I would want three and four if we our rules drive right, move right. So drive right, move right. So he's driving right. I would want three and four definitely three and four to, to be moving around the arc to where we get someone, it would be four in this diagram into their taillights. So if we can stride, stop, finish over our guy, we, we can go ahead and do that. If we stride, stop, and we get into a pivot, we look for the fill behind, which would be player four cutting into the taillights of the drive. So those are the things we're looking for in the event we don't score. Other kind of secondary options would be turning that dribble into a post-up. You see Villanova do a great job of this. Jalen Brunson, who's now with the Dallas Mavericks, was great at it. He would, he would drive and get down in there and, you know, he's a small guy, get in amongst the trees, and, and they have so many shooters they wouldn't want to leave. So, so instead of throwing up some running floater or something, some garbage that's going to hit halfway up the glass and never go in, he, he would change hands change shoulders and turn that dribble into a post-up. Um, that's another option that exists to, to keep the possession alive when the, the drive doesn't result in the score. Something that we've tried to emphasize with our guys that has helped a lot too and in, in continuing to kind of keep, because if we go back to the pace from last week, you can quickly stop pace and allow the defense to set when you get into the paint and you pick up dribble, stride, stop, and now you don't know what to do with it because you weren't able to finish over the top. Yeah. And going to what you just said where you turn around, and we call it the Barkley, but it basically just swap hands right to left, back to the defender, and now you're backing them down trying to post up. And even if you don't have somebody that's like, that's where I think we're moving now into how is the game being played now, where it's not necessarily I throw the ball into the post, but it's that throwing – the ball from the post once you've used the guard to get down into the post. And obviously we all know you get to a passing point guard or you have a tall point guard, 
which to your point with, with Villanova, you've got your taller guards or better guards who are able to pass out of the post. And you can continue to keep that pace by not giving up your dribble. I think the yeah. other action we've talked about before maybe is the Nash where you dribble underneath because the question I get a lot of times is, so what do we do with the five now? And basically the five, again, if this is about spacing, it's keeping the floor that 10 to 12 to 14, depending on where you're at on the floor, keeping that between each player so that you are making help defenders decide, do I go help on the basketball or do I stand with my man? Mm -hmm. And so if the, the one continues to dribble underneath, the five basically just continues to, to circle movement with him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we've, we've drawn the attention of the five defender and you get a basic a layup, easy dump off for the five there at the basket. So, I mean, there's a lot of things to do if you continue to think pace and space in this scenario here. Are there any other actions or any other things even out of this one slide that, that you have thought of that have been helpful or things that you have seen teams do? Yeah, sure. Whenever, whenever we stop our drive, we'll make a second cut, meaning – Meaning, remember I said on our drive, we, we want penetration reaction. For me, it'd be drive right, move right. And this, so three and four would be moving around the arc in concert with the, the right-handed drive. So drive right, move right. That's my first cut, that, that movement around the arc. Now, if he were to stop and pivot and Barkley or like you're describing, and, and, and our defenders have sort of tracked us around the arc, we might stick our foot in the ground and cut behind our head inside of the arc as a second cut to be an outlet to the guy who stopped his dribble into or who's, who's, who stopped the drive into the paint. Um, a lot of times, man, there's something about that ball going inside the defense that gets defenders to turn their heads. Like they turn their head and they watch it. So you would, you, it's not hard to envision if one's driving at X and X and three and four moving X4 and X3 having their their eyes looking inside. And as we cut, we see an opportunity to cut behind our defender's head and make a second cut. Our first cut's the movement along the arc or around the arc. Our second cut would be would be would be diving in into the shell of the defense to provide an outlet for the ball. So that second cutting principle would be a, another big one. That year that Villanova had Brunson. I think it was Archie Diacono, Spellman. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, because I wrote something for Fast Model, but they had about five guys that shot 35 or above. I think Spellman was shooting like 41% from three. Yeah. And there you could find clip after clip of this action of him getting into the post, whether it was from this opposite slot or just driving to a wing, them clearing mm-hmm. out a side and just turning around and backing all the way down. Yeah. And after you get to about six dribbles down, which at this point, you know, the, the mom up in the stands is screaming to pass the ball because everybody's just standing around. But it was very strategic as he would continue to back down. And on about that fourth or fifth dribble, he's got about four defenders attention on the outside. And you have basically just that fill behind that you say get to an open window is what we tell our guys. And somebody always ended up with a wide open three point attempt. Yeah, it's just hard to resist not head turning there as a defender. Yeah. There's something there's something natural about wanting to to turn your head in there. That's hard to resist. Yeah. It's hard to resist. Even when the scouting report is shouting at you, hey, these all these guys can shoot. You got to stick with them. And in that year you're talking about Texas Tech, they they lost to them in the Elite 8, but they did a pretty good job with that. That's that's the game to watch. They really made Villanova beat them with tough twos and Villanova beat them with tough twos and at the free throw line in that game. 
Uh, before we kind of finish up with the plays, do you have anything else before? I don't want to rush you onto anything, but um, yeah, a couple kind of talk- a couple of talking points. You know, I, I, I we talked we kind of divided this conversation between pace and space and pace. We, we I don't want to put that in just the transition offense box that word pace because in the half court we can still play with pace. Pace would mean we cut hard, we sprint our cuts. Uh, the ball moves with pace. The ball pops. We know where we're going with it next, and 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 uh, the ball moves with speed. Players cut with speed. So pace can also pertain to half court offense. I just wanted to drop that in there because I didn't want that that word to not be carried over into half court offense. Yeah. So that that's really one one talking point I wanted to to, to bring about there, just to make sure I I put put that point out there. Uh, for the, my pace and space coaches, something that I would suggest is don't be afraid of like just false, act, fall, either false actions or just false movement to then and then get into your we're trying to actually score off of this. Yeah, I would. If I wasn't coaching with a shot clock, I would sometimes probably say to my team, like, let's go out there and move the ball. Let's cross three, four, five sides and then let's get into an attacking mode because playing again, the idea of playing against the set defense you know, you, you move four or five times side to side, you may end up the first attack that you have may be literally a wide open layup. Yeah. I see that a lot in the, in the, with the coaches I work with that they, they, there's not enough sort of side to side movement to sort of build some, some, uh, you know, the, I don't know what the word I would use to describe it. Like we sort of loosen up the defense, like just sort of like, like massage them, I guess, you know, like, like get the defense moving up, down, side to side. And then, then it becomes a little easier to penetrate rather than uh, just, you know, we're just going to come right down the court and try to shove it down the right lane line with the drive. You know, that, 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 that's pretty tough unless you have really a special, special player, you know, to, 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 to trigger that. My uh, C's from the disc assessment will want to be tracking this. Um, I do this, but I, I, I like to track sides of the floor. I also like to touch paint touches. There's a clinic that I went to about two years ago. Can't remember exactly which coach it was, but anytime that they got two paint touches per possession, they were shooting something like 50 or 60% from three point range or something like that. <clears throat> okay. Again, like trying, maybe trying to shoot for that, you know, obviously the point is to score, but if you're moving the ball from side to side with pace, loosening the defense up, you're able to have a more of an attacking mindset. Hey, let's try to play through the elbows, get to the paint, at least get a paint touch off of this. You know, that, that could be something that's not the goal is to get paint touches. Obviously the goal is to score the basketball, but, but it's you a may triggering start, event. Yes. You may start to see some correlation. And again, that may be something that you as a coach know, and maybe you don't even communicate that necessarily to, to all of your players, but that may be kind of a, a goal that you're trying to get two paint touches or, three plus per possession. I, I track this literally every game, but you know, what are we shooting one side, two side, three side, and a lot of coaches do that, but especially mm-hmm. in the pace and space offense, you know, where you are trying to exploit gaps and move side to side, that may be something to, to look at and keep track of as well. Yeah. And what, what are we trying to do at the end of the day, 10,000 foot view, what are we trying to do? We're, we're trying to create conditions where our shot attempts, our field goal attempts are either at the rim or there are threes of the catch-and-shoot variety. Everything we're talking about, about cutting to create gaps, moving around around the three-point line in concert with drives, is all about creating the environment 
to where when we score or when we shoot, it's it's either at or near the rim, you know, below the volleyball line that cuts through the middle of the lane, down into the charge circle area, or it's it's beyond the three. That's that's sort of playing to the numbers. It's 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 um it's what the space part of pace and space means. Right. You know, I think we're all trying to get three points per possession. I don't necessarily know that every system or every coach knows how to do that. It's just, well, let's just make a lot of threes or get to the basket and draw fouls. Okay, like how do you go about doing that? Like show me how to do that. And that's something that we have in the last couple years that we've run this. Our field goal, our free throw attempts have gone up and our three-point attempts have gone up. And so I think that this, again, this kind of system can actually help you accomplish what you've said for years you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I'd say the first steps we've got to get out of our own way. You know, I can't. I can't make the defense. They. I don't coach that team, but I. I. I have a say so in where we stand, our positioning, to where I, the guy, you know, like if you look at old NBA highlights, like Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, people like that, making all those acrobatic twist and turning, like Dr. J. You know, like half of that was like getting the ball around their own players, like their own teammates, right? Like, but now in the NBA, like there's the. The, these numbers have sort of like created this this model of the way they play that like we don't we're not having to navigate our own teammates anymore the defense is plenty like why do why i'm asking my guys to score over their own guys we call that friendly fire in our gym we's like that was friendly fire right there like you're in our own way you probably saw this but the the diagram that showed the nba like 20 years ago and then currently yeah. the shots are taken i'll plug i'll plug kirk while we're on here, Kirk Goldsberry, he wrote a great right. book called Sprawl Ball. That's that's all about that. Kirk Goldsberry. So, shout Probably out. Probably to, to your point, though, a lot a lot of those mid range jump shots were because there was somebody in the in the way where they wanted to actually go, but the mid range jump yeah, shot. Yeah, we can't get to the rim because we got Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale on each block, right? We can't right. like like Bird can't get to the rim. He's got to pull up from the elbow because there's obstructions between him and the rim. Great. Uh, last word, anything else you might have? Yeah, I would, I'd say the number one question that I get about this would be, sounds great coach, but like my guys or my girls, we, we can't do those things right now. And I'm like, that's what practice is for. Right. So, so like, you know, Amazon started in like a garage, right? Like, you know, the Beatles were playing in like bars before they were selling out stadiums, right? Like you start before you're ready. You got to start before you're ready and just go and, and, and I understand that, that, that makes a lot of coaches uncomfortable, but like, you, you know, you've got to start before you're ready to, to sort of have what you want someday. So, you know, like when I started radius athletics, I had zero followers and nobody caring about what I tweeted and now it's a job. It, I started way before I, you know, I, I you got to start before you're ready, man. You just got to. Yeah. Randy's got a lot of resources that are available. Um, reach out to him. He'll, he'll be able to set you up with those. There are some things that I have on coach tube that will be small side of games that will teach you how to do this. Awesome. Um, that, that may be helpful as well for Randy Sherman. I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next week on Hoops Forum.